0: To another episode of Murder Moms. I'm Maggie and this is Janessa. Hello. What have you been up to lately, Janessa? Working so much. Yeah, you have.
1: So much working. I think I worked 36 or 37 hours in three days. Yeah. Which is very fun.
0: I don't think we have any buffer episodes anymore because we've had to push off recording.
1: Yeah, we have. I mean,. That might just mean that outtakes and things when I'm talking shit about Matt Gates get released instead, but it's fine because well, fuck Matt Gates.
0: You know the summer solstice is coming up, and we were talking about doing spooky specials. So, spooky specials. So we can so we can put together all those spooky stories my dad was telling us and put those out instead, maybe.
1: Oh God, that would be yeah. We can look at that. Yeah. Okay, this week it's my turn. And we are going to talk about Richard Trenton Chase, a.k.a. the Vampire of Sacramento. Before we start, I want to give some content warnings. In this episode, we will discuss uh, Renfield Syndrome, which is vampirism, Mm -hmm. infant and child death, necrophilia, cannibalism. Yes. You're bad. I, I, I know. I hated myself. I told you to put off writing this for like two weeks. Why didn't you just pick a new one? Because I had already picked two other ones. And I was was like, you know what? This is it. I'm doing this one. And I fucked up. Uh, Necrophilia, cannibalism, animal cruelty, and sodomy. Obviously, all murders and serial killers are horrible. But there's a sort of sliding scale of severity. And he's very off to one side there.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. Thanks.
1: Richard Chase was born in Sacramento, California in May of 1950. His childhood was, as expected with serial killers, less than ideal. Mm-hmm. Chase's father was known to be quite abusive, which, of course, manifested in Chase in other ways, such as hypochondria. Richard Chase in his youth would regularly wet the bed. He was found torturing and mutilating animals, And when I say youth, I mean about 10 years old. Yeah. So too old to still be wetting the bed. Yeah. But Chase became an alcoholic and developed a fire starting habit. So wetting the bed, animal cruelty, and arson gives us the McDonald Triad. Yeah. Which, for those of you that don't know, the McDonald Triad or Triad of Sociopathy was originally suggested by psychiatrist J.M. McDonald in 1963. After small-scale studies conducted by psychiatrists Daniel Hellman and Nathan Blackman and then FBI agents John E. Douglas and Robert K. Ressler, along with Dr. Ann Burgess, claimed substantial evidence of the association of these three childhood patterns would later produce predatory behavior. hmm Generally, the presence of two out of the three is predictive of violent serial tendencies.
0: And he had all three.
1: Yes. To be clear, though, this is still a hypothesis. Yeah. It is highly debated as further research hasn't provided enough evidence to support the
0: claim. Yeah. Correlation does not equal causation. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Chase struggled throughout high school, both academically and socially. He was constantly failing his courses, and though he had several girlfriends, the relationship struggled due to Chase's erectile dysfunction. Chase eventually went to see a psychiatrist over the matter and was told he either had extreme repressed rage or mental illness. His sophomore year, he was arrested on possession, weed, which, uh, mm. and was sentenced by juvenile court for weekend volunteer hours.
0: Man, he's white.
1: I know, right?
0: <laughs> I know. I don't even have to see him. <laughs> like, even if I I didn't know his name, just like... He had weed and was arrested, and all he gets is weekend volunteer hours? Mm Mm-hmm. He's white.
1: (laughs) Honestly, I'm surprised he got that much. Chase eventually raised his grades to steady C's, but I'm really not sure how, since all reports say that Chase was using a lot of drugs regularly at this time. I mean, some reports stated he was just smoking weed, but others said he was already using LSD at this time. Oh, wow. So I don't know how one could function on LSD in school, but here we are. After high school, Richard Chase moved out of his parents' home and into an apartment with a few roommates. Without any supervision, his behaviors quickly became more and more off the wall. Chase started to believe that he was being targeted by Nazis who were trying to turn his blood into powder. He was convinced his pulmonary artery had been stolen and his heart would, at times, stop beating. Mm. He was nothing more than a walking corpse at times.
0: So is this, like, the LSD, or is this some, like, paranoid schizophrenia, or...
1: Yeah.
0: Or get into that later? So
1: we're going to get into that, because... Okay. I think it's it's a mixture of the two, though. Okay. To combat his self-diagnosed vitamin C deficiency, Chase would push and rub entire oranges on his head and face as if he could osmosis up the vitamins for himself. Okay. After boarding up his closet door and windows in their apartment, Chase's roommates began to complain about his odd behaviors. Walking around the apartment naked was behavior that only Chase was comfortable with. Even when his roommates requested he be dressed or not be naked in front of guests, Chase persisted and ignored his roommates completely. That's all. Ooh. Yeah, like, I've had a lot of roommates... And it makes it so much harder when they're not easy to talk to. Like, if you do something that annoys me, I understand that, like, that's just something that you do. Yeah,
0: we've but been if, roommates.
1: Yeah, we've been roommates. But if I say, hey, can you not be naked in front of my guests? <laughs> and you go, "Nah, fuck it. Um, it's yep. not going to work.
0: We didn't have that issue. No. no. <laughs> We had our own issues, but that was not hit.
1: Yeah, no. Everybody has issues when they live together to some degree, but holy shit. His roommates approached him one day and told him they were over his shit and he needed to leave. Chase ignored them again. He literally waited them out until they gave up and left.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. He
1: just kept being an asshole until they gave up. Once alone in the apartment, he was able to fully be wild. Around this time, Chase had began trapping and killing small animals. He would torture them, dissect them, and eat their organs. Allegedly, he would blend some of the organs up with soda and drink it like a smoothie. Great. To him, this Mm. was medicine to reduce the swelling of his heart. He was becoming more and more delusional and detached from
0: reality. Yeah, he really needed some kind of like serious medical intervention. Yeah. Like psychiatric intervention.
1: Mhm. In 1975, Richard Chase was hospitalized after he became extremely sick, and it was discovered <laughs> It was discovered that he had blood poisoning from injecting animal blood directly into his veins.
0: That would do it. Yep. So I know, I know, I know parts of the story. Not, not a lot of it, but bits and pieces. And we've said it multiple times already. But like, when you take care of kids and people with who need mental help, yes, everyone benefits. And that's like what I'm seeing so far here is like he needed help.
1: Yeah, he absolutely needed help, and his. Early life being abused definitely didn't help.
0: No. No. And, like, not, I'm not trying to excuse what he, he is going to do. Oh, no. But no, not at all. But, like, if there like had been, a, like, a dam built here, then what is to come perhaps had not had happened.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And I feel like we've seen this quite a bit so far.
1: Chase escaped the facility and was sent to an institute the Mentally Insane when he was caught where he revealed to the employees his fantasies of capturing and decapitating rabbits to drink their blood from their body like a cup. Once while in his room Richard was found to have blood smeared across his face. It was discovered that he had caught two small birds from his barred window and broke their necks with his teeth and sucked out the blood. This yeah. The staff began to refer to Richard as Dracula.
0: That's not helpful, guys. Yeah.
1: I mean, mental health in the 70s. Yeah. After being treated with a cacophony of medication to include psychotropic drugs, Richard Chase was released to his parents' care in 1976.
0: So he was there for how long?
1: Oh, less than a year.
0: Less than a year? Okay. Mm
1: These new living arrangements didn't last long as Chase's mother refused to give Chase his antipsychotic medication because it quote dulled him, end quote, which immediately convinced Chase of his mother's attempts at poisoning him. <laughs> I just okay. I can't literally her behaviors encouraged his behaviors. Like so she
0: she needs like mental health assistance as well. There. She does as well, yes. Because that sounds like paranoid schizophrenia as well. To armchair diagnose here.
1: Yeah. Good job. Um. Yeah. So then he thought, Well, she's trying to poison me. Cause she won't give me what the doctor said yeah. would keep me healthy.
0: Yeah. Ooh. Oh man. It's like he's just going to spiral now. Great. Cool. Fantastic.
1: Well, you know, that kind of um made their relationship really tense, so his father got him his own apartment to get him out of the family home. As you can imagine, being alone wasn't ideal for Chase's mental state. Richard was out nightly hunting, torturing, and consuming animals. It wasn't just small rodents and birds at this point. Stray cats and dogs weren't off the table. Even pets were taken from time to time. Regardless of species, the animal was always drained of blood and eaten raw. His nightly hunting wasn't his only obsession, as he was buying handguns whenever he had the money and practiced his shooting skills regularly.
0: So, would he leave, like, the drained animals laying around to be found? Or?
1: Well, we're gonna, we'll get into that.
0: I'm just trying to figure out. No, he
1: took them home. He took them home to eat.
0: Okay. I'm just trying to, like, get things sorted in my mind of, like, how this worked for him, I guess.
1: Because Chase was so obsessed with his extracurriculars, his self-care was minimal. Mm -hmm. He no longer showered regularly or brushed his hair or teeth. Most of his meals weren't holding any real nutrition for him. And he dropped to roughly 145 pounds. Though I'm sure he had some sort of worm or other issue from his diet that kept him... Definitely. Richard showed up to his parents' home one day in 1977 without warning, and when his mother opened the door, he began yelling and shoved a dead cat into her face before dropping to his knees with it and tearing its stomach open with his hands, then smearing blood all over his face while still yelling.
0: Oh my god
1: his mother just closed the door and went back to whatever she had been doing without mentioning it to any authorities. What? Oh my god. Bro, if I opened the door to that, I would lose my mind. Yeah. Especially my child. Like I'd be like what the fuck is happening? Yeah.
0: At least like call, like even if I had like, closed the door again, I'm not going to go back to whatever I was doing. God like. no. Absolutely not. Like, call The police, or like an ambulance, or something Somebody. like to what about the neighbor? Like, the neighbors didn't know, Bro, so, the, like,
1: she didn't say anything, she did not call anyone.
0: And the neighbors didn't see any of this happen, no, this I guess, was or only, like whatever. Like,
1: yeah, uh, this was found out way later. Wow, after the fact. Oh my god, yeah. In the summer of 1977, state police were alerted of a truck stuck in a sand ridge near Pyramid Lake, Nevada. When police arrived, Richard Chase's ford was searched for clues and they found two rifles, some dirty clothes, and a bucket of blood with a cow's liver. After searching the area, they found Richard in the sand, naked, covered in blood, and yelling at nothing. Naturally, they detained him and questioned him, but Richard convinced them that the blood was from a cow, Mm -hmm. which isn't a crime, Mm -hmm. and they let him go. I don't know if he said he was satanic or what reason he could have possibly given to police as to why he was screaming in a field covered in blood while his truck was crashed yeah. up the road. But they said, well,
0: that sounds about white and just yeah, let him keep going there. Like not gonna send him to any kind of hospital get it to get checked out or, or anything nothing. like, ah.
1: nothing. In December of
0: 1977,
1: Chase fired a handgun into a woman's apartment and explained to the police that it had misfired, which of course the police believed since nobody had actually been hurt. And they just pulled the slug out of the wall as evidence and moved along. They again, just let him go. Not even a week later on December 29th, 1977, Chase killed 51-year-old Ambrose Griffin as he was helping his wife carry groceries into their home. This was just a random drive-by Richard Chase was in, and it's assumed it was a test run of his ability to take a human life.
0: So he just, like, drove by and shot somebody. Yeah.
1: Ambrose Griffin was a father of two and an engineer. One of Griffin's sons reported that they had seen a neighbor walking around the neighborhood a week before with a 22. But after a ballistics check, it was found that the neighbor's gun was not a match. However, the slug pulled out of a woman's kitchen the week before was. Chase's aggression only grew from here. Roughly a week after his first murder, Chase asked his neighbor for a cigarette, then grabbed her and held her until she gave him the entire pack. A couple of weeks later, Chase attempted to enter a different woman's home at night, but after trying the doors, they were all locked, so he left. Chase took locked doors as a sign that he was not welcome, and unlocked doors were an invitation.
0: Y'all, always lock your doors, please, at night, or even in the daytime, like, while you're home alone, just, you know, turn that knob, lock that door.
1: Yeah, this, this ain't the 70s, and the 70s should have had it fucking locked, too. There are so many serial killers just walking in motherfuckers' homes. Yeah. Just, Lock your fucking doors, man. People are wild. Serial
0: killers. Just like weirdos too. Just like coming in and hanging out. Like just, just lock them. Anytime
1: I see a video where somebody like wakes up to a drunk person in their home, I'm like, how did a drunk person gain access to your home? Lock your goddamn doors. This didn't mean he gave up for the night as a high school, this didn't mean he gave up for the night though. As a high school friend recalled seeing Chase walking around and she pulled over to check on him. He then asked her for a ride, but luckily for her, she refused, afraid of the man's appearance. Mm -hmm. After finding an unlocked home, Chase stole some small items, peed into a drawer, and pooped on a child's bed. The family came home to find Chase still there, and the man of the house attacked Chase, who unfortunately got away and kept checking homes for unlocked doors. Sadly, he came across the home of Teresa and David Wallen as Teresa was taking the trash out, leaving the front door unlocked. David was at work, and when Teresa came back inside, Chase shot her three times, once in the hand, as Teresa put her hand up in defense, and twice in the head. Chase dragged her remains into the bedroom, where he stabbed the body while sodomizing the body post-mortem. When he was done, he kept the body open, drained bloods and organs into a bucket, and took it into the bathroom to bathe. He returned, cut off a nipple, drank blood from the body, only to go outside, find dog feces, and bring it back in to put in the mouth of the victim. Jeez. Teresa was three months pregnant at the time. Oh, God. Two days later, Richard bought two puppies from a neighbor, only to kill them, drink their blood, and leave their remains on the same neighbor's porch. Less than a week later, the FBI was contacted and assigned agents Russ Borpiguel and Robert Ressler, who began making a profile. January 27th, 1978, less than a month from his first murder, Chase committed his third murder and mass murder. Evelyn Miroff, 38, was taking a bath while her neighbor Dan Meredith watched her six-year-old son and 22-month-old nephew, who she was babysitting for the day, when Richard Chase entered the home unannounced. Dan walked down the hallway to question Chase, who shot Dan point-blank in the head. This was the same gun used to kill Ambrose Griffin and Teresa Wallen. Chase rolled Dan's body over to rob him of his wallet and keys before following Evelyn's son down the hallway, shooting the 22-month-old on the way. When Chase got to the bedroom, Evelyn's son was at the bathroom door where he was shot point-blank. Chase went into the bathroom, shooting Evelyn once in the head before taking her body to the bed, where he simultaneously sodomized it while making dozens of cuts to drink blood from. He then stabbed the remains dozens of times, and at least, quote, half of a dozen were just the anus. Mm. He used these to drain blood into a bucket to be drank. After, Chase took Dan's remains to the bathroom, using the porcelain tub to break the skull open so he could eat some of the brain matter. Chase. At some point, a neighborhood girl knocked on the front door to ask if Evelyn's son could play. Startling Chase and stealing Dan's car to escape, taking Dan's body with him. The girl told someone what she had seen and they came over to investigate, breaking into the home to discover the horrific scene. Police were called, and during the investigation, they found a perfect bloody handprint and shoe prints left behind by Richard Chase. Unaware of his massive fuck-up, Chase was back at home with Dan's remains. So, of course, he cut Dan's penis off and used it like a straw to drink blood with. Jesus. He also took out some organs, some were eaten, some were turned into a weird-ass smoothie, before he got rid of the body in a nearby church.
0: So they have this shoe print and this handprint and this bullet now. Mm-hmm. But they didn't they know that the bullet came from him from last time this happened? Like, how come they haven't? Well, it's not digital yet, so
1: they're having to hand-go-through records. Alright, you're right, you're right. You're this is right. still, yeah, this is still the 70s. You're right. Agents of and Ressler finished their profiling for the now serial and mass serial killer and... For the now serial killer and mass murderer. It was decided the killer would be tall, malnourished, unkempt and dirty, a loader who would continue to kill. Five days later, having learned about the profile, Nancy Holden contacted the police with Chase's description, convinced that he was the killer... The police, of course, ran a background check, which turned up his registered 22. So off they went to question Richard Chase. Two officers went to his door and asked him if they could talk to him in regard to the recent slayings, but he refused. So they left, leaving a team of police down the hall to wait for Richard Chase to leave.
0: God that they left uh, a team. Yes, I was worried you're gonna be like, well, and then they left. Yeah, it's, oh, just my like God. with like Richard Ramirez, like, uh, with the dentist office thing.
1: Yeah, no. When Richard walked down the hall, police surrounded and arrested him. So, I'm not sure if they would have been able to arrest him if he hadn't left in such a murderer way. He was reportedly wearing a parka and shoes that were splattered with blood, carrying a box that was covered with blood, and inside that box were pieces of wallpaper and the 22, which were? Also covered in
0: blood. Wow. So He, he wasn't, he was so out of it. He wasn't even trying.
1: He, I don't know if he panicked or what, but he left the house fucking like Dexter looking ass motherfucker. Wow. Yeah. And so they arrested him. When they were searching him before they even got to the apartment in his pocket, he was carrying Dan Meredith's wallet and keys still. Wow. In the apartment, the local authorities and FBI agents discovered a horror house. The walls, floors, counters, everything, everything was coated in blood. The refrigerator and all eating utensils were coated in more blood. The blender was covered in crusty, coagulated blood and still had some organs of varying decomposition degrees in it. The fridge had animal bits wrapped in tinfoil. A Tupperware was found to have remains of Dan Merritt's brain, and wrapped in plastic were some of his body parts, to mm. include the penis. Ugh. In other containers were internal organs belonging to Evelyn and Teresa, respectively. Throughout the house were displays of animal parts, bones, collars. There were biology displays of human organs, as well as books and posters on the human body. Ugh. Richard Chase went to trial in early 1979, where his lawyers advised him to claim insanity to avoid the death penalty.
0: Uh, the, his house must have been, like, crawling with flies and I don't and even, even want
1: to think about it. I really, like, when I was reading this, I was just fucking, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre popped in my head. Mm-hmm. Like... None of this is anything I would ever want to experience in my life. Mm -mm. In any degree. I don't want to be in that house as an investigator or nothing. Like, Mm -mm. that sounds horrific to me. Like, the true definition of horrific. Yeah. Yeah. Chase was looking at the very least life in prison for six counts of second-degree murder. And he was working to prove none of them were planned. Chase was given a trial by a jury who found him guilty of six charges of first-degree murder. The defense asked for a clemency hearing, and a judge ruled that Chase could not be tried as criminally insane and was sentenced to death in the gas chamber. Hmm. Even in prison, Chase was feared. The other prisoners knew what kind of weird shit he had done. Yeah. And even, like, gang members and leaders, like, avoided him. I bet. They were too afraid of him to try and do anything, but they kept trying to convince him to kill himself. Like, that's how afraid of him they were. They are like, hey man, you should just, you're the only one who can get this job done.
0: Yeah. I don't blame them at all. One of the other podcasts I listen to takes place in San Quentin. Mm-hmm. In different episodes, they talk about different parts of prison life. And I can just... Like, imagine them talking about somebody like this and how intense it would be. And it's, I, I can see, I can see this happening. Like, who oh boy, who oh boy.
1: Oh yeah. I'm terrified. And homeboy's not even alive anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Over several interviews, Chase revealed how the Nazis were framing him. That he had not been responsible for any of the murders how Nazis had always had it out for him, trying to kill him constantly via poison. Chase said he was acting out of fear to save himself and any other sane person would have done the same because the Nazis had a UFO and if Agent Ressler would give him access to a radar gun, he could show them and capture the UFO himself so they, the Nazis, could stand trial for the murders. Chase then handed Wrestler handfuls of dry macaroni noodles that he had been hoarding in his pockets as defense against the Nazis who had infiltrated the prison security guards. Wow. This man needed help. That's not to say that what he did was not and is not horrific. That is to say that this man was very sick. Yes. And he needed help.
0: Yeah. A lot of this could have been avoided
1: if... This is, and I hate to say this, but this is crazy talk. It is. There, is. there is nothing sensible about anything he said here. No. The day after Christmas, 1980, the guard doing cell checks found Richard Chase's body curled up in an awkward position. And after an autopsy, it was discovered that he had overdosed, assumingly intentionally, on his antipsychotics.
0: How did he get that much antipsychotic?
1: Well, if he was hoarding dry macaroni, he was probably hoarding his medication. This is 1980. All right. If they're getting cell phones in prisons now, I'm sure it was easy for him then to just pretend to take his medicine. All right. That is the horrendous human being that was known as the vampire of Sacramento, and I hated it very much. Yeah. Thumbs down. Did not like. Uh, yeah. 10 out of 10 would not research again. I knew some of it. I just didn't know all of it. And that seems to be my problem. I'm just going
0: to... we got to work on your
1: giving up. I'm just going to do Edmund Kemper, and at least I know what he did. For everybody who procrastinates, just let me tell you, I had a month to write this. You did. And I wrote it today. You did. In four hours. Congratulations, me. Procrastination still works. Hurrah, ADHD. You're so mad at me. (laughs) Your face of
0: disappointment. We really have to work on your giving up skills.
1: Do you want to tell us what you have for next time?
0: Yeah, so I'm actually, unlike you, almost done. (laughs) done with my case already um a lot of that is because i have a personal vested interest in it oh yeah thanks for listening to murder moms be sure to like us rate us and subscribe to us follow us on facebook twitter and instagram be sure to subscribe to our patreon where you'll get exclusives like outtakes discount codes for merch and bloopers Subscribe to our newsletter to see the photos we discuss in the episode, our sources, links to merch, and other bonuses. Submit questions, comments, and corrections to murdermomspodcast at gmail.com, and you can also just drop a line to say hi. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you in two weeks.